0: This is Philly Proper, Episode 5.
1: You're in a one-bedroom apartment, it's very easy to hit $2 per foot for rentals. Versus if it, you're building a single-family home that's 2,000 square feet in Brewerytown, that might be four bedrooms, you're not going to get $2 a foot, which would be $4,000 for that in Brewerytown.
0: You're listening to the Philly Proper Podcast. Meet the experts developing Philadelphia's real estate market right now. If you're looking for insights into the city's changing landscape, you're in the right place. Stay tuned to hear the personal stories and experiences of developers large and small. Be sure to join the Philly real estate community and visit phillyproper.com for project information, episode highlights, and more. Welcome to Philly Proper. I'm your host, Katherine Blessington. And on today's show, I have Logan Kramer of Design Pro Development. Logan, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you so much. I really appreciate the opportunity.
0: For folks listening at home, Design Pro builds residential real estate throughout Philadelphia, is based in Brewerytown, and albeit responsible for pushing the fringe market here alongside a small group of builders. Logan, what's going on? I've seen you've got a lot of projects in the Brewerytown area. Um, do you have anything else going on outside of Brewerytown right now?
1: Uh, yeah, uh, we are uh, kind of the leading developers in Strawberry Mansion and Sharswood. Um, nice. We really enjoy playing on the fringes. Um, our price point and kind of the, the products we put out does very, very well um, uh, playing on the fringes. And we, we really enjoy that.
0: Yeah, yeah, Brewerytown has been a hot market for quite some time now. And I've been in Philadelphia for about 10 out of the last 12 years. I've traveled a bit here and there. And I remember in 2008 when my girlfriend moved onto Girard Avenue, you know, we went a few blocks north and took a look around. And I was like, there's not a whole lot not a whole lot here that's new um there was a few projects i think the church on gerard avenue had started and then um really in the last five years things started to blow up how uh how did you get started in real estate or how long have you been you know doing this in brewery town Charswood and strawberry mansion
1: sure so um i've been working in real estate now for about uh, five years i got started in brewery town actually accidentally um <laughs> i was uh a temple student and um, I used to be a very avid runner I, I run a bit now but not as much as I used to but uh, and I was just going through a run and I was like going down Gerard mm-hmm. Avenue and Gerard Avenue uh, similar to how you said it was not popping with you know um, all the businesses it has today with you know crime and punishment green eggs rye brew spot burger and I was like you know wow I never realized that this commercial strip was here I was just kind of running aimlessly And um, just uh, headed into Fairmount Park, which is one of my favorite places to run. And I was like, you know, this really is crazy how much opportunity there is. And I kind of ran uh, a little bit on the south side of Girard Avenue. It was like very beautiful. I could have seen myself living there. Um, And uh, Girard Avenue just kind of like really spoke to me in terms of opportunity. And, um, you know, living on campus at Temple – I was very used to kind of um, a new construction home next to an abandoned house. So the idea of, you know, living in a changing neighborhood didn't really scare me. And um, I uh, started doing leasing. Um, that's kind of how I got my my foothold in the door in real estate uh, when I was a freshman at Temple. And um, I love leasing and I think that for anyone who's looking to get started in real estate, leasing is one of the best ways to go because you really have to hustle and you really have to, um, learn how to navigate personalities and, um, really understand your markets, um, to be effective. And I think that, uh, also it's a kind of a, a great way to make quick money in real estate, um, accessible thing. So, um,
0: uh, can I, can I backtrack a little bit on that? So you started when you were, when you were still at temple, You were leasing apartments for other people.
1: Yeah, so uh, I worked for Newport Property Group at the time. Um, They were like a off-campus, or sorry, uh, off-campus student housing. So Uh, they had, I think, like somewhere between like 150 to 200 rentals, and um, I personally leased a ton of them when I was there. Um, I think in a matter of like a six-month period, I leased somewhere between like 50 or 60 of them. I I remember I hit like all the records there, not to toot my own horn, but um, uh, <laughs> Good for you. Yeah, and I, I never thought I'd work in real estate actually I, I thought that I would uh, work in finance um, I went to school uh, originally for finance then I switched to marketing then I switched to MIS then I switched to uh, back to real estate all within a two year period and um, uh, when I was at Temple freshman year did a lot of leasing after I kind of found a ton of success in leasing my friend brought me to a, share, a sheriff sale, and I did my first wholesale deal there. I I, I remember the property to this day. It was a fourteen twenty North Dover Street, and um I got it under contract for, uh like I think it was uh, twenty grand, and I was able to wholesale it for like thirty two grand, and I was like, oh my god! Like I was like I was nineteen, and I made twelve grand in, in like two weeks, and I was like, this is this is unreal. I can't believe you can do this. And uh, so I I learned everything I could about wholesaling. And that's kind of what took up my sophomore year uh, when I was 19. Um, uh, I was a really, really got deeply into wholesaling. Brewery Town was the main market that I was wholesaling in. I uh, did in my first year about 80 wholesale deals. Um, And uh, I worked on uh, Point Breeze, Brewery Town, Fish Town, New Kensington but Brewerytown was kind of my bread and butter from the start and it's the neighborhood that I I fell in love with. Uh, After my sophomore year I had a quick stint as a realtor found out very quickly that I did not want to be a realtor and I wanted to stick to (laughs) wholesaling and developing. From there um, just kind of had an abundance of wholesale deals and I started to accumulate an abundance of savings from doing well in wholesale deals. So instead of selling all my deals, ended up buying some myself and land banking them. And then um, I uh, mentored under my friend, Mike Stom. Um, Mike's a very good friend of mine. Uh, love Mike, like family. And uh, he taught me a ton about development, financing. Um, uh, we did a bunch of deals together in Brewerytown. and uh, uh, all in all my mentors, I'm extremely appreciative of. Um, so it was between, I'd say my three mentors were, um, I'd say uh, Mike Stom, uh, Vince Viney and Cliff Lasky and they kind of taught me a lot about development when I was young and really gave me a shot so I'm uh, very appreciative of it.
0: Nice yeah I know uh, Mike has has done quite a few properties quite a few development projects in in the Brewerytown area among other neighborhoods for sure and Vince uh, of course, you, you mean Vince of V2 Properties, right? Correct, sure, yeah. uh He's got a ton of new development all throughout the city, but specifically in Brewerytown Town as well. And I don't think I'm familiar with the other gentleman that you mentioned.
1: Oh, yeah, Cliff Lasky. Um, uh, Cliff got his start in Point Breeze. Um, uh, he was uh, developing in Point Breeze very heavily. He still does develop a lot down there, but he also develops um, in, like, uh, Old Kensington. He's a few projects in Brewerytown uh he's a he's a pretty large developer but kind of like a a silent killer i'll say in terms of the Mm -hmm. game
0: okay yeah better to be seen than heard sometimes in real estate too definitely yeah so uh all right well it sounds like you have quite the background story already i totally understand jumping around education when it comes to you know, figuring out work, especially if you're working while going to school. I think that tends to shape the direction a lot of us, you know, move into when it comes to career paths. Why development over real estate sales? What was the big selling point for you on that?
1: Definitely. So um, I love to be in control of my own destiny. And I also really try to keep my emotions and the people I work with's emotions, you um, uh, away from business. And I just, I really liked kind of the, the no bullshit side of, um, development where it's like, if the numbers work, the deal gets done versus when I was like working as a realtor, I was getting very frustrated quickly when it's like Susie didn't like the color of the paint on the wall and like wouldn't put an offer in and, and it doesn't matter how much you explained to her that like, you know, it's $500 to repaint the wall you know, people get hung up on emotional things or, uh, I just, I just kind of wanted to like lead my own destiny. And I just found that I think that being a realtor is amazing. And I, I have a lot of friends that are realtors and I applaud what they do, especially the patience they have that I do not have. And, um, it just kind of, I found out it was not for me. I'm very impatient, which I'll say is, uh, one of my best and worst traits. Um, (laughs) but, uh, I loved uh, kind of the finance side of development. I learned con- the construction aspect of it pretty quickly. Um, architecture, I love. Second year in real estate, I started my company design for development. And the reason we we named ourselves that is because um, I really wanted to put a true aspect of design into it. When I got into real estate, there's just kind of like a lot of people putting up the same cookie cutter houses. And Nothing against that, but like for me, I wanted to really take pride in what I did. And um, I also, uh, uh, I'm not an architect or an engineer, but I really, really love value engineering, um, all my floor plans, all my construction documents. And I really understand kind of what's behind a CD set much more than um, uh, most developers do. And I I really like that side of things. And I'll say that it really allows me to create value in cost savings on construction as well as it really allows me to give value to a lot of my renters and home buyers by putting thoughtful things into my designs that I would want and I, I feel that like they would want as well.
0: Yeah, you know, as, as a real estate agent, I totally run into you know clients who walk through properties that although new construction are pretty much the same thing, just like you said, cookie cutter. Uh, and it, it's difficult, I think, to be... To stand out, it's difficult to have a true design eye. And, um, you know, I think that's something that you do very well. I think it's unusual to have somebody who's been in the business for a relatively short period of time. I mean, I know you've been doing this since you were in school, so it's been quite a few years now. But, um, you know, even starting out, having that viewpoint of, you know, what your consumer is actually looking for and knowing how to create something that both makes sense financially and aesthetically is huge. So that's awesome.
1: Thank you. Thank you. So
0: uh, all the properties that you're developing now, are they all properties that you're looking to sell or are these, are these properties that you're holding on to? Um,
1: so I uh, I kind of got wind that I felt there was a recession coming our way in like summer to fall of 2019. And mm-hmm. um, I transitioned um, my buying as well as I transitioned are designing of deal structures uh, to rentals. So we're about 95% rentals. I think we've got like two or three. Yeah, we've got two single family homes that are about to hit the market. But other than that, um, mainly all of our product is all rentals.
0: Yeah. And was that originally your plan when you started accumulating more properties to develop on your own as opposed to just wholesaling. Did you have like a five or 10 year plan for the business that you were starting to develop?
1: Sure. So I'll say the first three years of um, uh, me being in real estate uh, and I was pretty young. I was like 19 to 22. I'm 25 now. Um, While I did have a business plan, it was constantly changing. As I said, I'm very impatient and, uh, <laughs> um, I was constantly, um, overachieving goals, which was phenomenal. Um, but, uh, in terms of, um, uh, my original plan was like, I, you know, I mentioned under, uh, my friend Vince and like Vince is, uh, one of the best out there in terms of like, you know, who can put, you know, a hundred homes up the fastest and sell them and put a great quality product out there. And, um, my first few years. I was all about like selling single family homes. My goal was like, make sure I can make at least like, like hundred grand ideally minimum like 85, 90 K per home. And you know, my goal was to do, you know, 10 to 20 of those a year. And um, I found that uh, if I wanted to grow myself um, further, it was much easier to do one seven unit building than it was to do seven, you know, single family homes even so that it was actually easier to do one seven unit building versus maybe even two or three single family homes. Mm -hmm. Um, so I, uh, with multifamily, it, it tends, it lends itself to being, um, better rentals. And as I accumulated, um, a pretty big portfolio, um, I wasn't as much concerned with kind of growing, getting rich more so than like growing wealth. And, uh, Uh, Alan Dom kind of gave me great advice when he said, Logan, he's like, if you want to, if you want to get rich, sell if you want to be wealthy, own." and um, I, I, these are words that always will stick with me. And uh, I like my third year of real estate, I kind of put together a real structured um, business plan for myself that uh, I wanted to have. I told myself in five years I wanted to have a hundred uh, rental units, and um, I'm on track to finish that this year, and it's only been two years. Uh, um,
0: congratulations, that's you. awesome.
1: Thank you. And um, I, I'll say like words of advice for everyone out there is like, and I'm saying this as an impatient guy. Um, rentals were not attractive to me at first because they're they're definitely playing the long game, and it's very you know you can quickly sell something, and you you know, you can make hundred K and it's like, Whoa, this is awesome. Let's do it all over again. But I think the hard work is honestly, in, you know, buying land or finding a, a abandoned property and then building it and um, uh, you know, getting it fully developed once it's ready and um, completed, it's, you know, way less work to lease it. And it's, it's, um, uh, just a game that you'll have forever. And there's great tax benefits with depreciation especially for those who um, are developing in QOZs. BreweryTown is like a QOZ for like 90% of uh, BreweryTown's boundaries, which is great. And I highly recommend if the neighborhoods that you're investing in are QOZ, take advantage of it. But I also will say, don't just invest in a place because it is a QOZ.
0: Right, yeah, all the all the other factors still have to line up to make the deal make sense. What are some of the factors that you consider when you're viewing it as, okay, well, this is an easier thing to do. Is it just managing three separate construction projects, managing the sales process, or does the numbers just line up a little bit better for a seven unit?
1: So um, I would say that when you build larger buildings, generally speaking, uh, it's more expensive. Um, So, you know, if you're, if you're used to building for a hundred a foot, um, you know you might be building for one fifteen or one twenty, but you're building um, more efficient units in terms of like uh, you're in a one bedroom apartment. It's very easy to hit uh, two dollars per foot for rentals, versus if it, you're building a single family home that's two thousand square feet in brewery town that might be four bedrooms, you're not going to get $2 a foot, which would be $4,000 for that in Brewery Town. Um, Right. So while your costs might be a little higher, your revenue streams are much more efficient. And I'll say that in multifamily um, building, you'll just work with, like, higher quality GCs, and um, y- you just generally speaking get, like, a much more polished and better experience.
0: Nice. That's that's a really good tip and a a simplified way of looking at it, for sure. You know, I think a lot of a lot of folks are in the same position that you were maybe in. I don't know. I'd say like two years ago, uh, in terms of how many units you've acquired and you know have in your portfolio currently. A lot of the developers that I know, especially folks who have just started out, maybe they've only been doing this for a few years, um, are are. In similar positions, maybe they manage acquisitions on their own, maybe they've done a handful of flips, or maybe just starting out in new construction. And I think most of those folks are on track to, you know, consider getting into that long term holding game, because they've been able to, you know, build up their capital enough that they have an opportunity to hold on, they're not necessarily trying to make, um, you know, instant money in the next year, they're just trying to elongate that process. So that's smart. I think it's the right move. Um, what are you, what are you working on in Strawberry Mansion right now? I know that's an interesting neighborhood for a ton of reasons. It's right, right outside of Brewerytown, of course, just north of Cecil B. Moore. It's got Strawberry, um, Strawberry Mansion Bridge right along Kelly Drive. And then, you know, Ridge Avenue, which of course connects down into Francisville, which has been booming for, for a few years.
1: Yeah. So, um, uh, 33rd Street. uh, So the main quarters that I like to be on in Strawberry Mansion are 33rd Street, Diamond, um, Ridge, and 29th, which are, like, in my opinion, like the, the main four arteries. Um, Strawberry Mansion is a much different neighborhood than Brewerytown is in terms of um, commercially. Uh, it's not as stable as Brewerytown Town is. Um, I think it's about five to seven years behind in terms of the commercial growth that Brewerytown's Town's seen. Um, mm-hmm. What I like more about Strawberry Mansion is that Um, I think that it's more architecturally um, uh, reminiscent of kind of its glory days, you know, in the early uh, 1900s when it just boasted of these, um, you know, the mansions that define Strawberry Mansion. And um, I think that, uh, you know, the designs that we're putting up in in Strawberry Mansion are very thoughtful of the um, surroundings, like we're trying to keep with like red brick designs. We're not trying to go crazy with, like, metal bays or black brick or things like that. Um, I really like the, uh, one, I like the access to the park with Fairmount Park and Strawberry Mansion. And also just kind of the lot sizes and the houses there are a lot bigger. So I just feel like you get a lot more, like, space and kind of bang for your buck in terms of value versus being in, like, a 500-square-foot-one um on the south side of Brewerytown.
0: Yeah, totally. No, I agree. Strawberry Mansion has some amazing properties. I think, you know, just driving along 33rd Street by the park, you're able to see how many of those, you know, original Victorian, even some of the the larger multifamily uh, properties that are there are still standing. And while they may have some deferred maintenance, have really good bones. And I agree. I think it's a ripe location for redevelopment and, and just a few years behind Brewery Town for sure. Definitely. So uh, so you've been in this industry for a while. I'm sure you've run into a couple of hiccups here and there. Are there any, um, I don't want to call it horror stories necessarily, but are there any like big mess ups that you've had or experienced just in you know lessons learned and things like that?
1: I would say the biggest lesson I learned in real estate was that you need to make sure that you grow uh, internally. Um, as you grow your company and I think that the biggest mess up I did my, like, I'd say this was like my second year in and granted I was 20 at the time, but, uh, I was very focused on just kind of like picking up, you know, uh, a huge portfolio. And and my goal was like, I want to, you know, grow from like having 1 million in assets to 5 million in assets. And I did not spend enough time on the infrastructure. And I kind of like hired like high school friends instead of like hiring real employees. And um, I think that it's really important that you kind of build your business from the inside out versus from the outside in. And um, I've got a phenomenal team today. I love my team. They're like family to me. And um, I really made a focus the past two years to commit to, being, um, more of a CEO and less of, um, the guy trying to kind of like do, put my hand in everything and, and manage everything myself. And, um, I think that's kind of like the biggest lesson I learned as my, my kind of portfolio and responsibilities with my portfolio grew very quickly, but I didn't, um, at the time, uh, acknowledge that I needed to like take the time to grow my staff and, it turned into me working 80 to 90 hour weeks um, consistently until I kind of said to myself, you know, I've got great staff and I can hire great people um, that can help me. So.
0: All right. Yeah. I mean, once you're able to start delegating some responsibility to folks who, you know, care about that role as much as you do, um, and who maybe enjoy doing a little bit, enjoy doing it a little bit more than you do. I think that's the right move for sure. So, how many how many people do you have in your company right now?
1: Um, so, uh, in terms of employees, we have uh, nine employees um, in house, and then in terms of like, there's we have most of the people we work with are subcontractors. If it's like we have like five GC crews we work with. Um, There's like four architects we work with, um, multiple engineers we work with, and we work with our subcontractors like on an almost daily basis where while they're not employees, we have a very close relationship and we really um, understand each other's working style really well and um, have really been able to kind of learn a lot from each other and grow. Nice,
0: nice. So outside of Strawberry Mansion, Brewtown in Sharswood, do you have interests in doing development anywhere else in the city or maybe even outside of Philadelphia?
1: Um, so I outside of Philadelphia I've explored once or twice. Um I am definitely a hyper local guy. Um and I uh, like my office and my house are two blocks apart and <laughs> uh, I can drive to all my properties uh, within about a 20 minute drive um, and see them all. And I'd say the farthest ones are about five minutes apart. And um, I'm very hyper local. Um, I've kind of, I'm starting to like see that I'm priced out of brewery town. Um, like I have very specific acquisition criteria that I follow. That's been like a very core principle of my success. And yeah, um, kind of as I've, been getting priced out of brewery town i've, I've moved into strawberry mansion and Charleswood, um but I, I don't see myself moving outside of philly um at least not for the next few years uh, i think i'm very optimistic on philly i think there's a lot of opportunity here um i don't compete and i don't try to compete in um overly competitive markets um like you know center city or your core center city neighborhoods like your you know northern liberties fairmount spring garden where you know people are kind of fighting for that extra one percent of return um right that those just aren't markets that interest me um we are extremely confident in what we do how we purchase things how we can design and build things and we put a very affordable product out there so yeah uh we we found that um you know people, no matter where you put it for the most part, um, are, are willing to pay, you know, a minimum of like, uh, 1100 or 1200 for one of our one bedrooms, which are very nice quality and our, our two bedrooms minimum, we're getting like 15 to 1700, depending on the location. I mean, there's some two beds we have at least for 2100, but most of ours, the, the price points I like to stay in is like for one bedrooms, 1200 to 1400, two bedrooms. Like sixteen hundred to two thousand, ideally.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, that sounds right. That's it's a really good market value for the areas that you're in, especially considering the type of quality product that you're putting out. Um, do you have so it looks like you're you're on target to hit your goal for this year? What about the next five years, ten years, or any long term plans?
1: I would say my biggest long term plan. Uh, is to kind of grow my company vertically in terms of development. I feel like there's a certain amount of exposure that I want in terms of like, well, I think I have the ability to manage 300 or 400 units under construction a year. I don't want to have that exposure. And I look at it like, you know, I'm 25, I don't need to retire tomorrow. And um, you know, there's no reason for me to like, uh, overextend or over leverage myself like i try to stick to like 80 to like 120 units a year under construction um at peak and um we're trying to grow vertically one is to do so for quality control um you know we just uh i we officially opened up a title company actually last week Um, oh congrats and uh thank you thank you And um, one thing that's really um, important for us is like we do a lot of transactional volume and we want to make sure we're closing things like very quickly. Like if we want to be able to close in five days because we're offering a a seller a very aggressive offer, you know, we want to be able to make our word on that. Um, And uh, if uh, we're, you know, on the flip side of things, if we're trying to sell something um, and we want to, you know, sell it really quick, we want to be able to close very quickly. So... The other part is like, uh, as I'm doing a bunch of refinances with uh, rental properties, I was realizing how much money I was paying in title insurance. And it's like, well, if I could have a portion of that in my pocket, that'd be great. And um, So we we're growing vertically this year with a title company. We are starting a real estate team later on this year, um, where we're just kind of be focusing on like rentals and uh, investment sales. Uh, We're not really trying to focus on retail as it's not something that reflects our current portfolio. And I feel that there's a surplus of agents out there in the retail market, but I think that there's um, a a huge demand for investment um, agents in terms of selling cap rate deals or just finding like development opportunities. And um, uh, that's kind of like what we're looking to focus our real estate team that we're trying to grow on.
0: It looks like with your experience in finance even in real estate sales and leasing and now having a development team you've truly positioned yourself you know with a with a, a great opportunity to grow that market so i i uh, i wish you luck i'm excited to watch it happen thank
1: you i really appreciate that
0: yeah of course well that's a lot of goals is there a is there anything that you're finding yourself doing while we're in this sort of weird moment in time of quarantine to uh to either play catch up or even get ahead on some of these goals that you have?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, So the three biggest things that um, our team has been doing, that's I'm very proud of uh, is one is really working on infrastructure. Um, Our team's kind of been like a car driving at like 80 miles an hour. And now that we're able to kind of put the car in the garage, we can kind of tune everything up in terms of the wheels and tires. So we've been able to, uh, really work on better property management systems in-house, better accounting systems in-house, um, better uh, development softwares that we're putting in-house. So it's kind of been a nice um, break where it's not like, you know, everyone else is moving at 100 and, and we're moving at zero. Like, I'll say that our company's moving at maybe like 20 or 30 miles an hour. We're trying to get as much actively done as we can. You know, with our construction sites down, it's definitely um, uh, not been fun for our construction team. But um, our our in-house team is for the most part um, all um, people who are working from the office, and they've just done a great job with setting up infrastructure. I'm extremely proud of them. Um, we've been looking at how we structure our investment deals, and like we've been um, putting a lot of more like conservative controls in place. As the market that we're in right now definitely preaches an uh, uncertainty, which um, I'm actually a bit excited for. Um, I will say, as a developer, I think that um, everything's been very overpriced for everyone over the past two years, from the people who are buying a home to the people who are renting. And from on my end, from you know, I'm buying land that I think is uh, worth fifty that the market value of it is, you know, you know, double that. And, um, sellers are able to get it because there's so much demand in the market. Um, or when it comes to construction, I mean, you know, if a, if a plumber for me used to make, you know, $8,000 a house, they were making 12 or 13 right now due to supply and demand. So, Mm -hmm. well, not right now, It's like 60 days ago when when we were still swinging hammers left and right. (laughs) Um, uh, but, uh, um, overall, I mean, I just think that like we're due for a correction and I think that it's unfortunate that it's been like a market shutdown, you know, and, and it's definitely unfortunate that there's a health implication to it and it's not just an economic um, correction. And, you know, I think that everyone needs to make sure they're doing everything they can to stay safe. And I think it's a great time to reflect, build infrastructure and kind of, you know, really evaluate things um, and the way that you were doing things the past five years might not be the best way to do things for the next five years. Um, And, you know, for our team, we really looked at like, we've had explosive growth in terms of our portfolio over the past five years. And, you know, if we don't grow our portfolio by 15 million every year, but we grow it by seven or eight, but we put ourselves in a very, very conservative position. um, And we kind of look at, Creating other streams of revenue by growing vertically. I'm very, very happy doing so during kind of like a uncertain time.
0: Right. Yeah, it's interesting to see what's going to happen in the market. I I agree. I think in 2019, you know, end of summer, beginning of fall, there was definitely a slight shift in the market. And especially, you know, every it was across the board, we saw it in stock market, we saw, we saw it in real estate sales. Um, and then it picked back up again in January. And now this, this, you know, viral situation that's global has definitely put everybody uh, more than at arm's length, uh, specifically with, you know, their finances and, and making decisions with you know where they're going to be investing their money, whether it's buying a new home, renting a new apartment, or putting money into a development deal. Within you know, investors are um, are making are a little bit slower to make decisions about what they're going to be doing with their money. Uh, I've been fortunate to sit in on some very interesting conversations with uh, some very well off individuals in the real estate industry and hearing their takes on the market and what's going to happen and what they anticipate has been extremely valuable. And I think, you know, my biggest takeaway from listening to these, you know, sort of masters of industry uh, in real estate is that the biggest opportunity for people who are in the real estate industry on the development side and/or on the investment side, and who truly understand what the potential is to grow, you know, independent independent wealth and and uh, long term wealth by investing in real estate is when the market shifts and when you know things take a, a turn. Um, so it'll be interesting for sure to see what happens. And I hate to say that I'm excited as well, but I agree with you. I think it's going to be very interesting over the next year at least to see how this all shakes out um do you think that you'll be uh still acquiring additional properties throughout sharswood and and strawberry mansion and do you think you'll be doing that independently uh in terms of your company or will you still be you know soliciting is the wrong word but will you still be you know conversing with your investors and putting together jv deals and things like that
1: yeah so um uh, We definitely will continue to offer investment opportunities. Um, We are just offering um, more long-term investment opportunities. A lot of our investment opportunities prior had like a a one-year exit on them. Um, And we're offering opportunities that have more of a two- to five-year exit. And what's good about it for our investors and for us, for our investors, it gives them off a yield every year. Um, so that's, um, excellent for them. And also with us kind of being able to spread these rental deals out over time, um, there really isn't a wrong time for your project, um, to rent. Like even if rents go down a little bit, um, as long as you don't sell your project, like the project isn't over and you can, um, you know, you're, let's just say if you lease for 5% less than you expect, um, you know, it's not going to hurt you that bad versus if you sell a property for $5,000 less, you know, if it's a $500,000 house, that's 25 grand of profit out the door. Um, right. and, um, I think that, uh, you know, what, what we're positioning ourselves to do is just, you know, we're, we're playing the long game with rentals and we, uh, we bake into our pro formas, a lot of, um, concerns in terms of like, what happens if rents drop? What happens if, Banks only lend at 60% LTV. What happens if cap rates jump, you know, uh, a point or two points for, you know, a time? And um, we, we do a lot of stress tests to our projects. Um, but uh, all in all, like we still offer investment opportunities. Markets like Sharswood and markets like um, Strawberry Mansion and like the northern part of Brewerytown, I think will do very well. Um, and we will the opportunities that we look at are like, we look to, depending on the location, it comes down to like a number between 10,000 and $20,000 a unit. And if I can acquire for that, I know what it costs me to build. And our rents are not luxury rents where I'm afraid that, um, you know, if, if, uh, people are making less money, um, you know, we're going to get, uh, you know, we're going to have vacancy issues. So, you know, our, our rents are affordable. Um, in the sense that like our average renter makes anywhere between like 40 to 65,000. And, um, we pride ourselves on putting out kind of like a really nice product for like a middle-class market. And I think that there's a lot of, um, a lot of room in that market. Uh, just cause Philly's got a lot of old housing stock and, um, that unfortunately didn't care of, um, unlike some other cities and because of that i think that um the middle class in philly um i think will continue to grow uh i just know like you know i'll say for myself like uh i've got close to like 40 friends that i went to high school with and i grew up an hour outside of philly that uh, all moved here that um i think if this was 10 years ago they'd be starting families out in the suburbs and um I think that Philly has a great long-term vision. As, I think that as long as you can stay affordable with your product, you can do really well through uh, a downturn. Um, it's all about controlling costs, not having too much exposure. Like, If I build half as many units as I expect or as I, as I set my goals for, um, but if I did so due to the fact that I'm just trying to like hold back my exposure, I'm not, um, I'm not like upset with that. Um, this year. I'm just kind of like looking at things and like, you know, I don't want to put too much inventory out on the market at once. I want to make sure I have, you know, uh, uh, know, no vacancy issues in my portfolio. And, um, you know, I, I really like my market a lot. I just think that it's affordable. Like we're not, not to knock on like some buildings downtown, but I don't know how many people can afford $3500 a month for a one bedroom as a lot of these like new high rises in downtown are are building and it, you know yeah. I know what it is those buildings and they're building them at you know ca- at a time where the cost to build is extremely high and they're either going to you know have to drop rents and they're really going to get hurt or they're going to have to sit vacant and kind of hope that people pay their price, um, you know, if we have a if a big downturn. So,
0: yeah, yeah, I know there's a handful of developers who have been, you know, I think spearheading the the luxury market with these value add renovations on some existing units and with new construction and. I think part of it is the anticipation of folks relocating or, or moving into Philadelphia and, you know, the higher income brackets from New York, Boston, um, Europe, China, L.A., places like that, because Philadelphia does have, you know, a, a lower cost um, cost of living than than some of these larger cities already and three thousand dollars a month for a two-bedroom apartment in new york is you know nothing anybody would scoff at in philadelphia you're like ah, i could do that for like 15 to 2000 um so yeah i agree i think it is going to be challenging and and the market in brewery town is uh is still pretty hot and i think it's a safe place to be for sure so um is there is there anybody in the city or uh, or even outside of the city that you would love to work with at some point in your career?
1: Oh, yeah. Um, I would say Carl is a very interesting guy. Um, I would, um, my grandmother's actually good friends with him. And I, I think he has a really unique story of how he came up. And I think he really stands behind his product. And um, he, well, I do not uh, try to play in the luxury condo market. I think that he's done exceptionally well and I think he puts out a phenomenal product and, um, he's someone I really like to learn from. Um, I I just think that what he has to offer is really unique. I would say other people that I really look up to. No pressure or anything. Um, (laughs) I would say one person I'd say I'd love to work more with would be, uh, I love, um, My builders that I work with right now, like um, Sean Pincus, um, City Suburban Builders, um, Eastern. uh, I love um, CBRN. I love all of them. They've been phenomenal to me. And, um, you know, I've been uh, very blessed to have a great team, you know, behind me building my portfolio. So I'd love to work, you know, more and more with them. And it's been fun. to grow together. Uh, So we've all kind of like, we all kind of started around the same time and we're all kind of young, hungry and uh have, it's been really impressive to see what we've been able to do uh over the past five years
0: well that's nice to hear i love it when people are you know happy with with the people that they choose to work with so when they have that ability especially when it comes to contractors in the real estate industry you're a lot of you know horror stories of people starting out and having to vet you know uh, two dozen people before they finally end up finding the right contractor or the right team member or employee or whatever it might be. So it's nice to hear that you've, you've established that network already. I'll have to, uh, I'll have to get Carl on the show and uh, link you guys up. (laughs) Yeah. Well, um, thank you so much for uh, coming on and chatting with me today. I really enjoyed hearing the history of how you got into the business and what you have going on. I'm looking forward to connecting in the future and um, hopefully seeing you and your projects in person in the very I really near future. Appreciate it. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode of Philly Proper. For more information on Logan Kramer and his company, be sure to visit him online at designprodev.com. For more episodes and information on all of the guests here at Philly Proper, be sure to visit phillyproper.com. And don't forget to subscribe to this podcast. You'll get updates on all of the new builders and developers that we have on the show and get insights into what is happening in the building industry right here right now. Till next time, I'm Katherine Blessington, and this is Philly Proper.